Podcast One. everybody and welcome to Listen Able, a podcast uh, that is now officially live out there with what was six episodes initially and now we're just on a roll. Everybody that listened to our podcast and shared it and subscribed, I want to say thank you. We um, launched and we were in the top 20 and we kind of remain that position and I think the best part about it, Angus, is how much people are relating to the stories of the people with disability that we're profiling. Mm -hmm. Um, I think especially for able-bodied people to be entertained but also want to learn more about this community is why we started this podcast. And it's pretty humbling, isn't it, brother? That people really care. We've had over 115 people give us a five-star rating just on Apple Podcasts alone. And I just want to say thank you so much. Um, I read every single comment. There's so many reviews on here. All five stars. Meg's Tiger said, wow, life-changing, best podcast Yozel D said, can't stop listening, have binged all six episodes. There's 30, 40, 50, I can't even look down how many reviews we're getting of people able-bodied and disabled alike coming together on this platform. And I, I honestly get goosebumps and chills when I read these things because it, it's probably the most important thing I've ever done in my career. I love hearing that, brother. But we are uh, very blessed to have somebody in the studio with us ready to tell you their story. Should we meet them? Should we meet them? Let's, Let's do it. My name's Steph Agnew. I work as a disability advocate. I also work for a company that does disability and inclusion training. I run my own business as a massage therapist and I'm a wife. And what's your disability, Steph? I am blind. So at the age of 19, I was diagnosed with a degenerative eye condition called cone rod dystrophy. Before we get into it, I have to be honest with you, Gus. Um, we work together at, at our organisation, Gets Good Access, and Steph's a legend. She's really good at what she does and she makes me look good. Everyone's like, Dylan... Mm-hmm company's really good. I'm like, it's all Steph. It's Steph. I don't even, I barely turn up. So I just want to get that out of the open before we start. Steph, of love course. you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Do you have full loss of vision? Do you have, is it 90%, 80%? So all I have at the moment is light and dark uh, perception. So I know when it's daytime and when it's nighttime, but it slowly deteriorated over 10 years. So I was losing sort of between five to 20% per year, degeneratively and... Yeah, now I've got nothing. Can you go back to the start of your life? Obviously, you were born able-bodied with full vision. Tell us about you as a kid. I was a real country girl as a kid, riding horses, going fishing with my dad. I absolutely loved it. And at the age of 17, I got the opportunity to travel overseas for student exchange in Germany. And I really fell in love with traveling. So when I found out that I was losing my sight, I thought, how the hell am I going to travel the world like I want to when I can't see? Did you then go, all right, I'm cancelling all work, all study, I'm spending nothing but on planes punching this passport? Not quite, but when I lost my driver's licence at the age of 23, I did sell my car and decided to travel to Europe and saw a fair bit then, but I needed money. So I was still working and that was hard. But come to the time when I fully lost my vision, my perception changed about it because I can still travel, I can do all of that, I just experience it in a different way just means that I plan my trips to be more sensory. Do you remember the day that you realised you were starting to learn your vision? And can you tell us what the feeling was like when the doctor said that this is what's going to happen? When I got my diagnosis, I kind of had a feeling that I had it because it's actually genetic. So my mum was diagnosed 12 months before I was. Oh, no way. Yeah. We didn't know. She found out when she was 39 and she'd already had the four of us children. So... It was sort of a new gene mutation and like I just felt like I probably had it. 
And when I got tested, I was okay. But as I started losing my sight, that's when I really struggled with my mental health and coming to terms with it. Now, you said that this is hereditary. Any brothers and sisters who are affected by this as well? Yeah. So there's four four children. I'm the eldest and the only girl. And then I have three younger brothers. And over the years, we found out that two out of my three brothers have it. So one of my other brothers has a guide dog, but he still has some useful vision. So he can still use his phone without assistive technology, that sort of thing. And then my other brother only recently got diagnosed in the last couple of years. So he still has very functional vision at the moment. What about mum? Mum's completely blind, but she is the reason why I'm here today. It gives me goosebumps because... She is the most strong and amazing woman. She's worked her way up in the university. She's completely blind. She's now head of school for science and technology. She's just an amazing, amazing woman. And if it wasn't for her, I don't think I'd be where I am today because I've been able to grab from her strength and she's led by example to show us that it doesn't matter that we can't see, we can still do anything that we want. Without that role modelling from mum, do you think your life would be different right now? I think it probably would be. There wasn't much around when we got diagnosed to really talk about it. I mean, now at least there's Facebook groups, all of that sort of thing. Social media wasn't really big when I first got diagnosed and there's not really that many role models in the media, unfortunately, with people with disability, let alone blindness. Scientifically, can you explain what's happening here? Yeah, cone rod dystrophy. Yeah, explain what it is. And how it affects and and the duration of it, et cetera. Sure. So it's a retinal dystrophy and the retina is a part of your eye that connects to your brain and the cells in your retina slowly die. So the retina is what I believe controls your light sensitivity, but also the images that go from your eye through to your brain. They told me when I was diagnosed that they didn't know whether I'd go completely blind or how fast or slow it would go. They said you could be completely blind in 12 months or it could be 40 years, we've got no idea. And I think that's what I really struggled with the most. Was It was like a ticking time bomb. I didn't know when it was going to happen. Because it's hereditary, a question that I, I wrote down about this was, and it's a tough question to ask you, have you ever asked your mum if she has guilt about passing this on to you and your brothers? It was only last week that we were talking about it, actually. I don't know to what extent because we didn't really go into it, but she said she does have some mother guilt. Mm. And I feel really bad because when I got diagnosed, I suppose you go through the grieving process and blame was a big one for me. And even though she didn't know that she had it, I blamed her for about 12 months. I was horrible. Mm. And I feel so awful for that because it wasn't her fault. And interestingly enough, and as controversial as it might be, I have obviously had to really think about, I've always wanted a family. I've always wanted to be a mum. And I've had to really think about whether I would have children because of the risk of passing it on. So at the moment, they've done some genetic studies with us, but they can't figure out what genes it is. So they can't quite figure out what the percentage of what it would be to pass on to my children. But over a few years, I made the decision before I even met my husband that I would be okay with having children naturally because I feel like my life is still just as valuable and just as good as anyone else's. Yes, I can't see, but I'm not in pain. I'm not dying. There's so much research going around and, I mean, I'm living a successful life. Uh, that'll be the highlight clip of this podcast. That'll yeah. be out on socials. Of course. That that's statement amazing. right there. Can you take us into a behind-the-scenes conversation with your husband about that? 
Well, I'm not on the pill. (laughs) Do you know what Rob looks like? No, I have no idea what he looks like. At what stage of you losing your sight did you meet Rob? So I was using a cane. I still had some shapes and shadows, so I know what his outline looks like, but I didn't have the visual acuity to be able to recognise or see faces. It was all just blurry. Okay, so if Rob puts on weight, though, you can pick up on that. You're like, hey, I can see the shadows getting a little larger here, Rob. (laughs) Uh, Not now. (laughs) Lucky him. Um, How does Rob describe himself to you? Uh, He jokes that he looks like Bradley Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) Always. But do you know what Bradley Cooper looks like? Yes. Okay, Okay. well, that's a good reference point then. But I know he's lying. (laughs) So love is a conversation in the disabled community as an able-bodied person that I keep learning about. Each episode, it seems to be one of the biggest topics and toughest moments for for someone who is disabled. And hurdles for some people as well. How did it go for you? Because we've had people who don't, think they're worthy of love because of their disability. Did you have those sort of thoughts and how did you overcome them? Absolutely, I did. I thought who is going to want to be with someone who's going blind? I had a couple of partners that were okay with it. And then I remember being at a point where I could still hide it to a point I wasn't using a cane and I was still a little bit in denial and I'd been seeing this guy. I think I'd seen him about he had like four dates or something and on the fifth date I said to him, look, I just wanted to let you know that I have this condition, I'm going blind. And he said to me, oh, that's all fine, that's that's no worries. And he dropped me off at home after our date and he's like, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And then he never, he ghosted me. So that just really you, escalated my fears. But can you sympathise that maybe it was a little bit too much for him as an able-bodied person to deal with that? I do, but I think that the reason behind it is that people just don't know. It's the misconceptions around disability. That's why we're here, baby. So I'll add to that as well. That's why I get so angry. You go on someone with for five dates, they they really like you, and then one comment or one thing you tell them completely changes the way they think that, and it's always about that disability. That person discarded 500 good things about stuff they liked, and then one thing Mm -hmm. immediately cancelled out those 500 things. On the weight that that should have on a relationship – it isn't that high. Oh, I don't disagree with you. I'm just no, saying, no, no, can we see the other side? That's the explanation you know? from, from our point of view. Mm. But, because I, but I always say, because I've happened, happened to me and, and my friends, stuff them. It's their loss anyway. But also, I can understand that because it's not for everyone, but to go on five dates and then ghost makes you feel worthless, doesn't it, Steph? Mm, absolutely. Uh, there's a way to go about it if it's not comfortable for you. And, and it's just, I would be like, fair enough, mate, if you're not keen, but you got to do it in the right way. Making someone feel worthless because of their disability is a tough pill as well. You've seen the world, Steph. What are some of the images that you most miss? My nephew's face mm. and also Santorini and Mykonos in Greece. Like mm. I had so oh, yeah. much fun travelling there yeah, and it's just so beautiful. Yeah. So that's what you miss. What do you wish you could see? Definitely if we have a baby, my baby's face. Yeah. So, And I think Ben said the same thing and it's if I had five seconds... I would want that. Mm. Maybe Rob holding your baby. Nah, he'll be right. (laughs) What about when you look across, you know, your desk at work, none of your co-workers? No, okay. (laughs) Um, Angus, you're sitting on the other side of the desk. Steph and I are sitting on the same side and I just know how much you're going to hate this, but there is a beautiful little creature at my feet who is probably being a bit of a naughty boy because he has his collar on, but he's pretty much licking my toes, (laughs) resting his head on the bottom of my foot. Who is this with us today? This is Rocky, my guide dog. The concept of guide dogs amazes me. It really does. Just from how they're trained, which you can maybe talk about, and how you meet one, and I guess the relationship that you forge together, because what it enables you to do is incredible. 
It is. It really is. And I was not keen on getting a guide dog at first. I've never really been a dog person unless I could get a little fluffy thing that fit in my handbag. (laughs) But I went for a trial walk with another dog that was in training. And I remember at first I was like, I don't like this. I can't feel what's on the ground because with a cane, you obviously have the ball on the cane and it gives you the feedback of what's on the ground. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the dog, you have to completely trust the dog. Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't think of that. Mm. And so I have to lift my feet a lot higher with Rocky because if there is a bit of a uneven surface I'm, and it's not that uneven, I'm not going to get that feedback from the handle. But once I turned the corner with this dog, I sort of just relaxed into it and I s- just took off down the street. And Rob said he'd never seen me walk as fast as that or as confident as that. And I remember crying at the end of it, but crying tears of happiness because I felt like I was going to get my independence back. Amazing. Yeah. Is there a trial of like five dogs before you pick Rocky as the one? Sure. So you have to contact guide dogs to see if you're eligible. Mm -hmm. Uh, You need to have certain routes and a few other things. And obviously not a fairly active lifestyle, but you obviously can't have a guide dog and never leave the house. Yep. You then go through a matching process with the dog. So I say it's a bit like being on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> so I swipe left on about four dogs before Rocky. <laughs> did you have your heart set on a black Labrador, which you have? I, or were you... I did. Okay. But funnily enough, I, I don't, don't regret Rocky at any point, but Black hair on cream carpet apparently is just not apparently. Good. <laughs> no, guess what? Guess what? Not your worry. Not your problem. <laughs> Absolutely not your issue. So, what happens when you're matched with a guide dog? You don't just go, okay, this dog's just come out of training and this person's next on the waiting list. So, they have to walk at the same speed, the tension on the harness, so how much they pull. So, I walked with a dog that was way too slow and I couldn't feel what she was doing on the harness. There was no tension. It's also about your lifestyle. So, how wow. often you get out how active the dog is Mm. versus how active you are. Also, I live in an apartment building, so, you know, Rocky needed to be pretty chill and even though he gets to go to the dog park all the time, like he still needed to be okay in a smaller environment. Some dogs are really funny with where they toilet, whereas Rocky doesn't care. He'll pretty much go anywhere I ask him to. So it's great because I've got the AstroTurf toilet on our balcony so I don't have to go down 24 floors to oh, go and toilet him every mm. three to four hours. So That's good. There's so much involved in it. It's just, it's not just, he's a dog, go for it. And then post-trial and, and getting the perfect fit with Rocky, can you tell us some of the roles that he plays in your life that maybe goes beyond helping you walk in the street? Yeah, absolutely. So I think he's a massive help with Mental health, you know, I've got that bond there. I said earlier I wasn't a dog person. I treat him like a child now. He's so <laughs> spoiled. <laughs> you don't refer to him as a fur baby though, do you, please? No, I call him, we say he's our child. Um, but, you know, he was very carefree when I got him and now he just likes the life of luxury. So mm. gets funny with if he doesn't have a soft enough bed or I get teased at work because if it's cold, I'll put a little blanket over him. And- <laughs> He's a diva. Rocky is a diva. Yeah. Right. I hope you don't mind me telling this anecdote, but we were working together the other day, Steph, and I'd never seen you walk around without Rocky, obviously, but when you're in a situation where you're comfortable, obviously like at home, you know where things are. And Steph's been, we worked together in the office and I think she's confident now. So she went to the bathroom with Rocky, obviously nailed it. And then she went to the bathroom without Rocky because she's like, oh, I know this. And I was like, wall, bang, walk into the wall, chair. <laughs> Like, it was like, it plays a massive role, doesn't it, for you to get around? Yeah. So that day I was using my cane. So sometimes it's quicker just to use my cane Mm -hmm. rather than harness him back up and all of that sort of thing. And I thought, oh, I can do this. But learning an environment with a dog is completely different to learning an environment with a cane. Mm -hmm. 
and you know you hear that crack that Dylan was hearing because I'm hitting everything with the end of my cane, which is great because I'm not ru- fully running into it. I don't use a cane at home though. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask. So you can get around, okay, because you know where everything is. Um, yeah. Now you're talking about the collar. Now I need you to just finish once and for all. Hopefully our listeners never, ever do this again because of, I just said to our friend at the studios here, my friend Steph's coming. She's got a guide dog. Oh my God, guide dog. Can I pat it? It's like the number one question. So can you explain to us the difference between when the harness is on and when the harness is off? Absolutely. So when the harness is on, the dog is working. So you cannot touch it. Don't interact. Don't talk to him unless the person is asking them to follow you. Then obviously that's that's a little bit different, but they can't get distracted. If he gets distracted by someone patting him, he puts me in danger. Imagine if I was standing at a crossing about to cross the road and someone's patting him and I'm asking him to go and then he just or not to go, and then he gets excited because he's getting patted and attention and he steps out and I get hit by a car. Like, it's just not okay. And the the one thing that I can't believe as well is as soon as you take the harness off, Rocky becomes a dog, licking, jumping. Like they, So he knows the difference himself between the harness work and harness off play. Yes, he does. And he's a completely normal dog at home. So some people think, oh, poor guide dogs are always working. He loves working. He'll jump up and try and get into his harness himself when I pick it up. Mm-hmm. But when we're at home, he plays with his toys. He still gets treats even when we're working to sort of train him to do things. But he's a normal dog at home. Okay. So hopefully people learn that when the harness is on, please don't pat. I, I learned that really young age. People know, but guess what? They don't yes, give a don't. shit. Can you talk us through the early stages of dating? Where did you guys meet? Uh, they met on the set of A Star Is Born. Bradley was just... <laughs> Bradley Cooper singing. I'm in the shadow. <laughs> he's Gaga. But where did you guys meet? And because we talk a lot about, uh, the question always comes out about coming out as disabled on social media, et cetera. Did, was it immediate for you? Did Rob know the first time he met you that you were going blind or blind? He did actually because I had just started using my cane. All right. So we live in the same building. He was actually my next door neighbour, direct oh. next door neighbour. Our doors were only a metre and a half apart and for 18 months we'd live next door to each other and we'd never met because he was working shift work and I was nine to five. Yeah. And we went to a building function and he was introduced to me and I was down there with my cane and immediately he was hitting on me and I'm like, mm, I'm not interested, go away. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the second time we met, you know, he tried it on as well and then started running around <laughs> after me and... <laughs> feeding me wine and food and whatever I wanted. And I was like, oh, I could get used to this. <laughs> Does Rob have to tick any physical trait for you? Not anymore. I think it's different with chemistry now, though, that I've mm. noticed. Chemistry is both, but not being able to see someone. You imagine, like, if you're in the mood and you give your partner a look. Yeah. That's not part of it anymore. It's almost got to be direct. <laughs> yeah. Straight chat or straight touch. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> One of the coolest things which I was pretty flat that we didn't know each other at this point is makes me emotional when I see it. And I know you play this video quite a bit. And if you do want to see the video, you can head to our Facebook group, so to listen, enable podcast, or if you're watching this on YouTube, enjoy. You ready to get married, sweetie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah go. Okay, just do it. Bring it down and then just take one step forward. And the cicadas, the cows, and silence. When we lose one of our senses, the others become heightened, which allow us to experience something as beautiful as these vows in a totally unique way. Today, we get to experience that in Steph's way. From the start, you inspired me with your strength, dazzled me with your beauty, and challenged me with your wit and intellect. 
I'm so lucky to have found a man that adores and cherishes me so much. And I couldn't imagine my life without you. Sensory wedding for not just you, but everybody there. Can you talk about how you came up with it, um, what it meant to you and what it meant to everybody that was there? So at the start, when I lost my sight, I was like, I'm not going to get married. I've always wanted the fairy tale wedding. What's the point now when I can't see it? But mum had a chat to me and she's like, it doesn't matter. And we started thinking about different ways that we could make it more sensory and more inclusive. So we asked our guests to wear blindfolds during the ceremony so that they could experience the day as I was experiencing it. Obviously, working with my florist, I wanted very scented flowers my photographer actually surprised me on the morning of our wedding. He's so thoughtful and he was trying to think of other ways to help me as well. And he'd picked out with my brother 10 different fabrics that felt all different and they're infused with 10 different essential oils. And they were given to me at certain points of the day so that I could remember those via touch and smell. Oh. Like, it's so just, the ceremony might be rosemary to you, but the speeches might be lavender, something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then they put it together at the end in a this amazing sensory album that has a lot of audio. So there's actually, as you flick through our album, there's audio behind the pictures. It's never been done before. This company in America did it for us. And they've put in bottles with the essential oil and the fabrics. And then I know what those photos are relating to because I can match all three of those senses. I've got full body goosebumps. Yeah, I know. Me too. You deserve that as well. You know what I mean? Mm. You really do. But the, the effort that people put in, what did it mean to you for everyone to be so inclusive? It was amazing. Like even our videographers, they did a completely different wedding film for us. So the actual 20 minute wedding film is all, we were all mic'd up on the day. So it's all pretty much audio. You know, when you watch a normal wedding video, it's all just music in the background. A lot of B-roll stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll find in that um, short clip that we just watched before, if you go into the notes, it actually has a full written audio description of what's going on on the screen for me and for other people that are visually impaired. Uh, was it Lemon Tree Productions? No, Lemon Tree Filmhouse was Lemon the videographers yeah, just, and James Day Photography was a photographer. It definitely deserves yeah, the love and respect. Mm. And I'm sure a lot of people have been blind at weddings before, but not that <laughs> Not this kind. <laughs> not that kind of blind. And how do you pick Tactile. the dress? Yeah, so yeah before, what if you pick the dress that, say, felt good but looked ugly? Does that make sense? Yeah, Were you does. worried about <laughs> that? No, I wasn't because I had a team with me. So mum and my dad were there and mum was obviously blind at this point and my bridesmaid and one of my brothers who pretty much helped me plan the whole wedding. So I would put the dress on, I'd feel it and how, feel how it felt on my body. And I was really worried about not getting that feeling like, oh, this is the one. All the all, A lot of brides talk about this is the one. Mm. And I think I tried on 14 or 14 dresses and there were ones that felt nice but not just quite right. And, you know, dad would say, oh, no, it's not that great because he's gotten really good with style, obviously helping mum pick clothes and that sort of thing. And I remember putting the last dress on and I was like, oh, it's got elements of everything that I like but it wasn't quite right and then they just added something extra to it. And I was standing there and I just started getting goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps now mm. talking about right. it. And you can see on your face, <laughs> Steph. Yeah, yeah it's lighting up. Yeah, it and my means, whole yeah. face lit up. I got the feeling and I can't even see myself. Like it's mad. It's so important to be inclusive of all values and whatever anyone can do so everybody can be involved in events like that. And it just shows when you ask questions and be inclusive how much it means to people like you and I, Steph, doesn't it? Yeah. To be and included. Just because you can't do something the same as everyone else doesn't mean you can't do it a little bit differently. Well said.
Can we go to day-to-day Steph? We were chatting just outside the studio before and we we're talking about the Facebook group and I was saying how overwhelmed Dylan and I have been with the messages of people uh, coming forward with their disabilities, wanting to share their stories on the podcast. Um, just how many people able-bodied are liking the page so they can get content around disability. And you said, I haven't checked it out yet. Well, how do you check out our Facebook page without being able to see it? Oh, I know where this is going. Steph's going to rail me after this, but continue. <laughs> Thanks for reminding yeah, me. Yeah, this is, this is bad for you and I, Angus, but Uh-oh. go on, Steph. There is a thing called screen readers and even on a phone there's something, so my iPhone is called voiceover. So whatever I touch on my phone will actually read it out to me. Oh, great. So I can flick through Facebook, uh, I can flick through Instagram. Have you got your phone in your pocket? So I'm able to see what's on the screen, so read my emails, work, everything like that. So it's great. I know some somebody actually made a comment online, I'd written something about an app and they're like, oh, you can't see her dress but can use her phone. doesn't make sense. But this is what assistive technology is all about these days. Like yeah. We're so lucky to live in the world that we do because I can still access everything pretty much that's in digital format. But there's one thing that I can't access, guys. Mm-hmm. Go on, hit me. You guys don't use alt text on your Instagram posts. Can I give an example? Like if the three of us put a photo up, Angus, the caption would be like, great to have Steph in studio, full stop. Sure. But what's going on in the photo, Angus? Oh, you want us to be more descriptive about what's well, happening in the photo? How, how would that be, Steph? An automatic description will come up and it'll just say photo, pretty much. But what you can do when you're posting your Instagram is before you press post, just click on advanced settings and then it says alt text and you just describe. So you'd say, Steph is sitting in a studio wearing headphones with her black guide dog sitting at her feet. I and, had no idea. And you won't actually see that. Uh, not using a screen reader. So what it does... Oh, hang on. Me, that won't turn up on the bottom of the comment. No, no. Oh, no. I thought so it would be there. No, it's back end. Oh. So my screen reader reads it. So we can me. put some secret messages in there for you and yeah. the blind community. <laughs> I actually have a girlfriend who has a private account and she writes the funniest like alt sexist, text for me. <laughs> creepy, sexy stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's loose. You know, here's a photo with my boss. I love him and the employees I work with. And then the alt text, this guy's a real this douche. Yeah. <laughs> don't listen, don't believe the comments. But you know, like... Like, it's so true. Like, you know, if I'd been a tennis title or something, I'd just be like, thank you, everyone, I'm so happy. And you'd be like, what's he talking about? Yeah. And they'd be like, guy in a wheelchair holding a trophy or whatever it is. Now, Steph, I'm just going to leave the studio. You guys keep chatting. Can I go get your bag? Do I have permission to bring it into the studio so we can see what screen reader looks like and sounds like? Absolutely. Okay, I'll be back in a sec. You ask a question, Dylan. Hey, this is this is not going to get it. I don't know why you're trusting Angus with anything. <laughs> Rocky, look, on, look, look out for Gus, all right? You gotta protect her. I am back. Placing your bag just here. I'm heading um, back around. Just one bit of advice as well while you're getting your phone out. When people come up in the supermarket and they want to help, often people grab people, right? So I want you to close your eyes right now, Angus, and everybody listening. Okay. Imagine if you're in a supermarket and someone comes up and grabs your arm and goes, Hello, are you okay? But you're blind. You don't know you don't know they're coming. That would scare you. Yeah, it does. People grab you and it's scary because you don't know what's happening. Oh yeah. So, and if they grab you and start dragging you down the street or trying to help you, that's why you just need to ask. And what the actual etiquette is, is I would actually hold on to your elbow. You don't hold me, I hold you. If you touch people, this it's what it's all about. Flight. The it's etiquette for flight. able-bodied people, that's what this whole process is about. I sweat under my armpits right now. There is a, a bit of sweat because I'm so scared about using the wrong terminology with our guests. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but I honestly stress every time we're in the studio because I want to spread the right message. And we but, would break you. 
<laughs> you Ooh, are. I will snap you in half. But Rob, your husband, led you up the staircase to our podcast studios before. Yep. You followed from his elbow down to his hand to the stair rail. Correct. And there's little conversations like uh, he was telling you about the steepness and the sharpness of the steps and a quick right U-turn to another staircase flight. There is ability or, or help that you can still give day to day. I guess it's more about... Like you said, not touching, not being physical, but asking first, right? That's the key to this. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give me some of that. All right. We're on the screen. What's it called? Oh, it's called voiceover on my phone. Messenger. Facebook. Okay. So I'm on the Facebook Facebook. app. And then if I double tap, tap it'll open it. Profile picture. Button. Create post. Live video. Photo. Check it. Stories tray. Add to story. Button. Why don't mm-hmm. I go into one of my Instagram posts that have yeah, sure. text. Yeah, sure. Great. Right. Facebook, Messenger, Google, Skype, Instagram. Instagram. Profile tab. Story highlights. Stories tr- selected. Grid. Tag. Photo by Steph. Add new. Photo is a side shot of Steph and Rocky walking down the runway in dress rehearsals. Wow. Three so it's as simple as that. And, right to see more. and then if Rocky I swipe down. Steph. Agnew walking the runway last week in the 2020 so it's reading my caption. And, and guess what the caption was? Can I get that again? You walked the runway at Melbourne Fashion Week. Ooh, yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah. Hang on. Was that a hum- humble brag? Oh, let me just go on this Yeah, photo. let me just choose this oh, specific let me just choose photo. This photo. You oh, knew. I'm, a, I'm a model. You knew, Steph. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's amazing. We're so glad that these assistive technologies are coming through. And, you know, we're, we're putting this on YouTube or on our Facebook group so the people who are hearing impaired can read the captions. So we're trying to be super inclusive. Yeah, which is great. And going forward, we're going to include alt text into all of our captions so you get a greater picture about what we're doing and what we're looking like. Steph. I promise. Thanks I'll so much for teaching us that. That's so important. I to promise us. I'll do all text. She yells at me all the time. I will hold you to account. I get yelled at, Gus. Um, before you go, Steph, we do have a bowl of uncomfortable. This is where people send us questions, whether it be in our Facebook group or on our YouTube in the DMs, where people don't have the comfortability to ask that person in public or straight to their face, but maybe they do behind a keyboard. Now, these aren't necessarily keyboard warriors or trolls. These are questions that people feel uncomfortable asking. Are you fully capable of? taking care of yourself? I pretty much am, but the thing that people don't think about and I didn't even think about, and it might be a bit uncomfortable for you guys. That's why we're here. Is I don't know when I have my period. Of course. So I actually have to ask my husband if I've got my period or not. And that is, I think, the hardest thing for me. So how would he help find out? Oh, like, God. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so I don't I just, leading question. Do you, yeah. Does he see it on the outside of your clothes? No, like, no, no. So, like, I can feel that maybe something's there, but as a woman, sometimes that might not necessarily be blood. Okay. Um. So I'll pretty much have to get a piece of toilet paper and say, is there blood on this? Wow. Okay, that is the... One of the great uncomfortable questions answered because I don't have any questions to follow up. I'm like, that, I'm sitting here like, Ugh. I wouldn't even thought of that. Of course. As a male, but also as someone with eyes. When, um, when was the first time into the relationship that you had the courage or to ask him for that? Because that's how, that's an uncomfortable question to ask your husband, probably yeah. at that time your boyfriend, your partner. Yeah, so it probably would have been after we were married, so when I went off the pill, because obviously with the pill I can oh, regulate it yeah. and I know. I know when it's coming and that sort of thing, but being off the pill, I can't control it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... That's a that's an uncomfortable question with a comfortable for being answer. So honest in sharing that yeah. as well. We appreciate it. We really do. If anyone wants to get in touch with you to to do some training or consulting or appearances, modeling, you do everything. How do they do so? 
Uh, you can follow me on my Instagram page or message me. It's steph.agnew or Facebook is Rocky and me GD. Steph, you're a ledge. I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your story and all the work you do in the space as well. And like, you know, I made the joke about you modeling and Melbourne Fashion Week. That's amazing. You know what I mean? And yet Rocky was there as well with you and and keep doing what you're doing and have some bloody kids because you'll be a great mum. Thank you. Appreciate you sharing your story. Thanks very much. Old text. Old text. And yeah. Things that you can be lazy and not do like I have done and I am being a jerk by not doing that because I'm not being inclusive the same way that if I went to a bar and I had steps, they're not being inclusive to me. I think you've got to try and be inclusive across the board and uh, yeah, I'm going to make a massive conscious effort and to Steph and I really appreciate her coming in and I also want to apologise to Rocky for what you did to Rocky because yeah. After that interview, oh, I shook some ears. Those <laughs> silky Labrador ears. Mm, 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 mm. Um, if you want to share a message with Steph, uh, share it on our Facebook page. Um, we'll make sure with old text, uh, she'll read all of the great comments from uh, some feedback from this episode. And make sure you like and subscribe to us on your podcast wherever you grab them. Yeah, please share it around. And we're going to leave Steph's details in the description as well. So if you want Steph to come do some speaking or some training yeah. at your organisation, you can get in touch with her. Um, we really appreciate the positive messages, don't we, Gus? So great. There's so many five-star reviews. And constructive criticism in DMs. We're so open to it. Please keep hitting us up. Um, we're looking forward to seeing you on our next episode. Speaking of the next episode, let's check out our next guest. And what, what did you do, Vinny, when um, Mo was not on the television but she was away for that time? What were you doing to think about her? So when I was on, when I went to Survivor, what were you thinking? Look at the photos. What about when Bal said, we're going to Fiji? What was that like? I said, thank God, we're going to see my sister. Yeah, and didn't you get a spray tan? <laughs> I got a spray tan. Yes. yes. And my nails done. Yeah. <laughs> and my fingers done. Oh, yeah. Perfect. And yeah. you looked beautiful. Yeah. And went to the airport yeah. at 12 o'clock. Jonathan yeah. Lapal, he gets a spray tan too. Oh. You were looking, no, you were looking no, more. No, he's not. Oh, he's oh. real. He's my favourite. Oh, yeah. I thought I was your favourite. Oh, you're the oh. wrong person. He's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you like and subscribe our podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe on YouTube if you're watching this. Um, we've got more episodes on the way. Of course, you can watch this on YouTube if uh, you do have a friend who is hearing impaired. All the captions are online. And share it around. We want to go global and, and really try and help as many people. 1.3 billion people around the world with, with a disability. 4.5 million in Australia. Exactly right. We want to normalise that for as many people as we can. So thank you for the comments. We read them, keep them coming. We appreciate them. Until the next episode. Listen Able was presented by Dylan Alcott and Angus O'Loughlin and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Audio production by Darcy Thompson and the music was written and performed by Eliza Hull.